Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online. I would ask that viewers at home turn their volume down because I might get crazy. Welcome to the zoo. We are the monkeys. His delivery doctor was drunk. Left three extra inches of umbilical. Gary Hoffman. She's blind as a bat and drunk as a skunk. Shannon Farron. You got to be. If I wanted crap shoved down my throat, I'd be a foie gras goose. Gary and Shannon. Thanks, John. What the hell was that? I don't know. Filmy McClumsy Pants in there decided to push Jacob out of the way and see if he could push the wrong button. And guess what? He did. Thanks, John. Well, it's uh, Labor Day, September 2nd. We are the only two people at work today. Yeah, I just I went down to the little kitchen area, grab a cup of coffee. Nobody there. Not one person in the building. It looked like it looked like cold storage. Like the lights were off, yeah. and it, it it felt like there was dust every like. I mean, Blake is not even here. That's uh, how many people are are off today. I could have worn my flip flops today, huh? I like that we wore matching hats. They're not well. I guess they're kinda. Yeah. Red, white, and blue. Yes. Just because of Labor Day. Uh, there's a bunch that we have going on today that we're going to spend a lot of time on. Of course, clearly Hurricane Dorian. Now down to a Category Four as it rolls across the Bahamas, but it is going to cause massive problems all the way up the east coast of florida into georgia the carolinas etc over the next couple of days uh also the kevin hart uh crash this is a weird story because he wasn't driving his car uh the friend was driving or his driver was driving i don't know how you describe this guy and and kevin hart suffered a back injury. They now, said that he can walk and that he is expected to make a full recovery, but yeah. the initial reports were quite grim. Major yeah. back injuries. Which you'd imagine in a rollover car accident it could be as as horrible as paralysis of some kind, but that doesn't appear to be what uh, what it was. In fact, TMZ said today that he walked away from the accident early yesterday morning, like a security guy came and picked him up and took him home. The huge news, though, of course, is the news you've been hearing all morning long about it looks like 34 people missing, feared dead after that boat erupted in flames off Santa Cruz Island. Just heartbreaking as you're seeing people show up to the harbor. Woman showed up recently and said, my son was on that boat. Mm. She was led away by a Ventura County firefighter. They are on shore looking to see if anybody potentially made it out. Yeah, it wasn't. They said it was uh, uh, anchored about 20 yards offshore, so it's possible that somebody could have swum, uh, swam, swum to the island, made it to the island uh, after the fire or during the fire. Andrew Mollenbeck is uh, live there in Ventura County, was at this news conference they held just about an hour ago. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, good morning. It's not looking particularly good because 39 people had been on this scuba dive boat Again, it's really close to shore near Santa Cruz Island. Uh, just before 3.30 this morning, something happened on it, and the thing just takes off in flames. And what we were told is that there were a total of five crew members on board this boat. 
at this time, or about the time the fire took off, all of them were awake and up on the upper level, either a bridge or a deck, and all five crew members ended up jumping off. At this point, those are the only five people known to have survived this fire and ultimately the majority of the boat sinking. Essentially, a neighboring boat uh, went by and, and picked them up. So these five crew members who were on top jumped off and they survived, but there were 34 other people on board this boat. And we don't have any specifics on what has happened to them. And again, as you said uh, just a moment ago, about 45 minutes ago, we got an update from the Coast Guard and other agencies. This is Coast Guard Captain Monica Rochester. Presently, the Coast Guard is has full efforts in a response posture right now. We are currently still in the response phase. Early on this morning, they were dealing with some fog, but they have air rescue. They have divers. They're looking at shorelines. Again, we're talking about 20 yards off the coast of Santa Cruz Island where this happened, but all of the resources that are being deployed to look for these individuals are coming from the mainland side. So we're here in Oxnard and that's where a lot of it's being deployed. But again, 34 people and we don't know of anyone in that group who has been found alive. Andrew, what do we know about the trip they were on? Yeah, just that it was a scuba dive trip. The boat that they were on is called Conception. It's operated by Truth Aquatics. Uh, that outfit has a couple of different dive boats. Um, I'll play another cut here. This is, again, Coast Guard Captain Monica Rochester on the licensing of this operation. The vessel has been in compliance. It's been in full compliance. Uh, we are working. We are working deliberately with the vessel owner operator who is with us at this time, working on a plan to to conduct further further assistance for his vessel. And again, we heard from another official that the boat is licensed to do this very kind of thing. We haven't heard how long that they had been out, whether this was just a, an overnight trip or maybe it was all weekend. Don't have any specifics on that. And certainly what caused this thing, because you guys probably saw the photos and we pushed them out on social media. Firefighters who arrived shortly after they got the call this morning posted some pictures of what this boat looked like when they arrived. And you really can't tell there's a boat there at all. It's just a massive wall of fire and some broken shards going in different directions. That's all you can see. So this boat was just burned to pieces and then whatever remains, there's just a little bit of it sticking out of the water. So it was extremely intensive. And if people didn't have the occasion to get up to the top level and jump off, it's tough to be optimistic. Do you have any idea the conditions of the crew members? I mean, did, did they suffer any burns? Uh, were they just basically uh, able to get out before they, uh, before the fire? All that we were told is that uh, they jumped off. I did see one and survived. I did see one Twitter message showing a person with a scraped ankle with a little bit of a limp. I'm not even sure that that is a crew member. But again, we've been told that there are only five people that they know that they know survived and they were all crew members. So you could put one and one together, I suppose. But that's the only thing that I know about these individuals. And presumably, they're going to be talking to authorities right away in interviews if they're indeed healthy. Uh, what they know. Uh, did anybody, Did they see anybody else? What caused the fire? Where, where did you see it happening? Uh, all those sorts of things. I'm sure they'll be in for a full day of questions. And the weather out there right now, it's uh, foggy, right? We haven't seen any helicopter shots, and I'm assuming it's because it's overcast. It has cleared up here. Again, I'm on an Oxnard uh, right along the water. When I got here this morning, and re really until only about an hour ago, there was some pretty heavy fog. That has now lifted. 
I'm not sure as they get closer to Santa Cruz Island if they still have some of that marine layer hanging over. But at least on this end, it is a lot better now if they're going to do a, a water search. But yeah, even that itself is going to be very complicated because they will have to search the water. They're going to have to search all of the coastline to see if anybody maybe made it off the boat, were able to swim if it was just 20 yards to some part of the coastline and maybe they got some help there. You, you would imagine they wouldn't have any way to communicate. They wouldn't have a cell phone on them or something like that. So they're going to check all of these areas to see if anybody else did make it off. But again, 39 people were on this boat and they only know of five people so far who have survived. Andrew, thank you. Let us know when you get more information. We'll check back with you later on. Will do. Andrew Mullen back there live in Oxnard. Again, the, uh, the 34 passengers on board the boat all missing, presumed dead. Truth Aquatics, as Andrew mentioned, is the outfit. We'll tell you more about the company and the guy who runs it when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue on this Labor Day. And she says, I wish that I could be like the cool kids. Because all the cool kids, they seem to fit in. I wish that I could be like Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The governor of Georgia telling people that live along the coast there, get the hell out of town before Hurricane Dorian hits. Brian Kemp is the governor. He's ordered mandatory evacuations in all six counties that line the coast there in Georgia. The seven people who were killed and 22 who were hurt in this uh, shooting in West Texas on Saturday remembered in a prayer vigil at a university in Odessa last night. Um, this all started when a guy was pulled over by state troopers. He opened fire on the patrol car that stopped him and then drove off firing at random people in the Odessa Midland area before he was eventually shot and killed. Uh, I heard a report this morning that the 17-month-old that he shot, 17-month-old, he shot her in the face, but the bullet went in one cheek and out the other uh, and may have wow. damaged the tongue. But amazingly... A kid that young hopefully will never remember any of this. They said it's probably connected to the fact that he lost his job on that day. Uh, But the big story, of course, locally is a fire official now saying that there are confirmed fatalities as rescue crews continue searching that boat and on shore there near Santa Cruz or on Santa Cruz Island, I guess you could say. That caught fire early this morning. The Ventura County Fire Captain Brian McGrath saying that they have confirmed some fatalities, but would not provide a specific number. 34 people remain missing. Now, chances are we we took a look at sort of the um, the layout of this boat. By the way, we also found out that this apparently was the end of a three day dive uh, for the conception that they left on Saturday morning and would have been out through today as well. But it was early this morning that this fire started. The uh, it can hold as many as I think it's 46 is the capacity for this boat. Yep. And along with the five crew members, you've got 34 people on there today, this morning that were in uh, the the bunk area. And it's it's an incredibly tight, tight space where you've got single bunks that are um, I mean, one one person beds that are stacked three high. We're going to be talking to Chris Little coming up next. He spent time on a similar boat about the inside, the guts of that boat, and just how dangerous that is of a situation when you think about fire breaking out on on a vessel like this. Truth Aquatics 
is said to be a very respected name in the diving world. It's run several boats off the Channel Islands there. The owner is Glenn Fritzler, and he won the California Scuba Service Award earlier this year for his work in the industry. According to California Diving News, he built the conception in 1981, major part of his life and business. It says... On California Diving News, that Conception was California's crown jewel of live aboard, uh, live, excuse me, live aboard dive boats. It's also where Glenn met his wife, Dana. On the couple's first dive together, they encountered a 17-foot great white shark. That's a sign. That's a first it? date. He told the paper that his firm's boats have hosted more than 450,000 divers, more than 1 million California dives. And oddly, in 2005, the conception made headlines when a guy who was described at the time as a homeless drifter stole it, stole the boat. He stole it from the Santa Barbara Harbor and apparently started running into other boats. It's just an odd piece of its history. Wow. Here is the Mayday call that went out about 3 this morning. What is the emergency? Over. Vessel reporting a vessel on fire. Cool, Roger, Captain. Your vessel is on fire. Is that correct? Roger, are you on board Conception? Roger, there's 33 people on board the vessel that's on fire. They can't get off? Wow. Yeah. Um, we're going to find out more about this. Uh, I mean, as these, as the hours go by here, the, the, we haven't seen any visuals this morning of what's basically around there. We had heard that all you could see is the bow of the ship sticking out of the water. Um, but also there was another report that it had completely sunk about 20 yards off the coast there of Santa Cruz Island, which the water depth there is about 50 feet, I think 55 feet. So it's not too far down. The Coast Guard update from an hour and a half ago, the uh, Coast Guard captain who was given the update didn't know or wouldn't say whether or not there were divers in the water to try to see if they could locate these 34 people. She did say that they were still considering this a search and rescue operation, and one of the things that they were doing was scouring the coastline there to see if, in fact, somebody may have been able to get out of the boat and make it to shore. But at this point, they're only saying the 34 people are missing. We are all saying that they're presumed dead, because if you haven't seen them by this point, uh, chances are they've got trapped inside that ship before it uh, before it went down. Plus the opportunity for there to be uh, explosive materials on board, just simply based on what it is that they're doing with, uh, you know, with diving equipment that that could potentially do that. There is a there is a fire suppression system in the engine room, but I don't know what the rest of the boat looks like in terms of the ability to have, you know, a sprinkler system in there or whatever. Uh, but clearly that wasn't enough to prevent this from happening. The five crew members that were able to escape this fire, oddly, were picked up by the Good Samaritan boat called the Grape Escape. They were awake and on the upper deck when the fire broke out. All five crew members able to get off. Now, the captain was asked if they were able to help any of the people because um, that's what you do when you're crew. And she said she didn't have that information. Yeah. Which was odd. It was an odd answer to that question. They just may have, I mean, they may, have, may not have even asked the crew members that yet uh, as they go through yeah. the investigation. I don't know. I'm sure they will, but... All right, what's it like on one of these diving boats? I mean, this was a three-day trip. 
that this w- this boat was going to be on. It's uh, crowded quarters, and uh, you got to love what you're doing to be on a boat like that. We'll talk with uh, Chris Little, our our famous uh, diver friend. Would I say famous? What, why would he? Why is he famous now? I don't know. I mean, our, people our, know his name. This is true. So there's that. All right, Gary and Shannon, and the famous Chris Little. When we come back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Maybe you're laboring today on this Labor Day like we, I mean, this isn't labor, but well, let us know where you are, what you're yeah, doing today. It's not today. like we're pouring cement here. It's true. Although I will say the air conditioning is off in the building. It is? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Jody. Well, I know the bathrooms are gamey. They always. Are they? The Monday of What's a going on weekend. in there? Man, for some reason, it's like steamy. That's not that's not right. It's not right. It's not healthy. <laughs> it's not enjoyable. Can uh, I make a bathroom confession? Yeah, oh Please. boy. Cuz you guys are always talking about the bathroom. So I went in there and the, one of the seats was up so like it had just been cleaned or something and so I put the seat down and it broke. I'm like sorry. It snapped off. <laughs> Amy, can you broke a toilet today? Mhm. Good for you. Uh is it possible that a man went in there and uh used it? Maybe. I mean, that's why the seat would be up, right? Well, I mean, except that when they clean them on the weekends, oh, the seats oh, I see are what left you're up. So, so they... nobody had used it, and so I just kind of went and put the seat down. It went <laughs> and broke off. <laughs> that's great. So my apologies. Uh, we have been watching uh, the stock market. Obviously, is closed at least in the United States today, but uh, stocks around the world have had an interesting down day. The stock futures that we're looking for uh, have been pretty weak, actually, since the tariffs went into effect over the weekend. We'll see how that goes tomorrow. Um, Big stories, of course, include Hurricane Dorian, now a Category 4, but could potentially gain strength again and become a Category 5 before it makes landfall, if it makes landfall, in the continental United States. It's over the Bahamas now and traveling at about one mile an hour which is horrifically uh, dangerous to the the people, the infrastructure there in the Bahamas. This is going to stick around for days, unfortunately. All right, Chris Little joins us now, of course, KFI News Director, and our friend, your friend, world-famous Chris Little. He is a diver. He has spent time on boats like this. Yes, I have, and uh, what a tragedy. When I heard this this morning, I I just thought a few people were injured, and then I got a call from the newsroom saying uh, many people are probably dead and it's just uh, it's it's unimaginable and i'm assuming you've never been on one of these boats i've been on boats similar to this um i don't think i've been on one this large no. it's a 75 foot vessel is uh, according to its own statistics yeah. yeah and what they do what they do with these boats is uh in the back you know you keep your uh, diving tanks. I've gone on uh, at least one overnight and then several, you know, day trips. They keep your diving tanks in the back. Of course, the uh, skipper uh, is up on top in the middle, just kind of like you would think on a, in a yacht, uh, on a yacht. So he's uh, piloting the ship. And then on both sides, you can go underneath, uh, you know, you can go down below, and there are bunks, and they're stacked um, three, so they're three high, and there are, see, there are nine on the outside of the boat on both sides, and then nine on the inside. So that's uh, that's like 36 people, and they're 
small bunks. They look like little bunk beds, but you can't really sit up all the way. And then when you sit up, you're hunched over. So you're crammed in there. Uh, and I'm not saying it's dangerous, but I'm just saying it's very difficult probably to get out of there because uh, there's really not a lot of room to move around. You have a, you have a hallway in there. It's not luxurious uh, by any means. And then uh, you have to go out and exit by a ladder. So there's one way in and one way out on each side. Yeah, that, and that, if they have a schematic, I mean, they've got the layout for the bunks on their website, Truth Aquatics website. And it's just like you described with bunks on the outside walls. There's some bunks in the middle. But as far as getting in and out, it looks like there's only one one staircase or you know ladder that goes out of that uh, room into the galley at that point. Yeah, well, it, it depends on the boat. The boats I've been on, with that many people, if you have 36 people, you probably, it probably, if, if you don't see it, then it's not there. But usually they have a stairway uh, on both sides. And then, um, then uh, the galley on top. And then, you know, like I said, all your tanks and everything in the back. So it's amazing to me that um, so many people are missing or presumed dead uh, on a fire on a boat because you would think that they could get out, you know, pretty quickly. And I, from what I understand now, it's the crew that got off first because they were up. And a lot of times, and the way these boat things work is you'll get on at, say, 11 o'clock uh, p.m., and then the boat will take off. You'll have somebody eat, maybe go to sleep, and then as the boat is chugging out to, you know, your destination, you are sleeping and the crew is awake. Wow. Okay. Um, so, did when you were on this boat, did it strike you as a hazardous situation with uh, the bumps, the bunks being that tiny and that close together, and and all of that? Uh, you know, I've never, I never thought about it. I will now, but um, in hindsight, perhaps. But you know, these accidents, I, I've never heard of this happening. I'm sure it has happened, but usually there are, you know, half of the guys are on deck and you know or or screwing around but everybody just hops out and you know goes you know goes on their way i would assume if there was a fire uh, there would be panic and then if there's panic and you have 18 guys jumping into a little hallway trying to get up a tiny ladder that's going to be that's going to be you know really bad uh, I know that this type of a, a boat usually has fire suppression, you know, fire sprinklers or something like that in the engine room. But would there right. be a concern? Would you be concerned about the uh, any, you know, flammable tanks, the potential for a fire to then cause explosions or anything? Well, I've thought about that. And the tanks have, uh, they call them a burst disc. And uh, all these scuba tanks, you know, they've got uh, about 80 uh, cubic feet of uh, air in them at about 3,000 PSI. And if you let all that out, it's about the size of a foam booth of air at sea level. So they compress all that in the tank, but they have a burst disc. So my tanks, I was just looking at them before I came on with you, my tanks are rated at 3,000 pounds, and the burst disc uh, explodes, you know, pops out if it gets too hot or if it gets over maybe 3,000 or, or 4,000, I'm sorry, 4,000 or 5,000 PSI. So at 3,000 uh, PSI tank like I have, you can put 3,200 pounds in it with no problem and probably 3,500 pounds. So the question is, would they blow up uh, in a fire? The answer is not usually, but I have read about these tanks exploding just on their own and blowing people, you know, blowing windows and doors out of houses and throwing people like 80 feet and killing them. And there's another story about a lady who dropped a tank and it exploded, but that's very rare. So 
it's possible that a, a tank or two, even if one tank exploded uh, out of uh, whatever, uh, 35 tanks, if only one tank exploded, that could be, you know, just catastrophic. Yeah. All right, Chris Little, uh, appreciate the info. Sure. Talk all to right. you later. We'll stay on top of this and bring you all of the latest news coming out of Oxnard as the search for these 34 people who are feared dead does continue. Coming up next, we'll get an update on Hurricane Dorian. According to FlightAware, it looks like 1,200 flights have been canceled because of the storm. <laughs> wow. uh, Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International Airport, and Palm Beach International have ceased all operations completely. So you can imagine how that's going to screw up flights in other parts of the country as well. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. You want to do a gas go around? <laughs> what do you think? No. No? No. I don't know anybody who doesn't like it. I love air shows. I don't know anybody. Uh, uh, I went ahead and went to go take a look at the toilet Amy King broke today. Right, and? And I went ahead and posted the pictures oh, on our Instagram page at Gary and Shannon. Thank you, Shannon. Uh, we are chronicling the destruction that Amy King has hot, wreaked. Hot toilet talk. On the bathroom. KFI AM 640. That is a Live. broken toilet. I know, right? Everywhere <laughs> on the iHeartRadio app. That is legitimately going to be a problem moving forward. What are you? We're going to have to get a plumber in here to replace this Wait. toilet. It's going to be a Why? legitimate problem for Hold any on kind a of second. movement. <laughs> Show it to me again. I didn't see what what's I guess the it's problem just the with seat. it. It's just the seat. Oh, it's just the seat. You don't need a plumber for that. No, I'm not going to do it, but you don't need a plumber for that. Um, we will follow the story. In fact, at the top of the hour, we're going to bring you some more information about the the boat fires right near Santa Cruz Island, uh, Ventura County there. 34 people are missing and presumed to have been uh, killed by this fire that happened overnight uh, about seven hours ago, as a matter of fact. So uh, Andrew Mullenbeck is out there, and if we hear more information, we'll bring it to you. Also, the... Uh, the update uh, at 1130 on the earthquake fault line that uh, is now, we, we knew it was there. We just didn't think it was going to be a problem. It now is. Now it's going to be a problem. Yeah, it's going to be an issue. Uh, we have a sports update to you, uh, bring you as well on this Labor Day when baseball games should be played all over the world. A no-hitter? Uh, no, no. Uh, first place Dodgers have called up Gavin Lux. He is really their number one prospect in the minor leagues. In fact, number nine in all of uh, minor league baseball. He is expected to start at second base today for the uh, for the Dodgers. So. Hurricane Dorian has unleashed massive flooding across the Bahamas. They have just been pummeled with wind and water, and authorities there are telling people to find flotation devices and grab hammers to break out of their attics if necessary. They were saying the storm surge in the Bahamas could reach 23 feet above what is a normal high tide. Uh, above a normal high tide. They said they've received a tremendous number of calls from people that are trapped in flooded homes. The police chief there, Samuel Butler, telling people to remain calm or try to and share your GPS coordinates. But rescue crews are in a holding pattern until the weather conditions improve. He told the Bahamas radio station there, ZNS, we simply cannot get to you. That's terrifying. The um, 
there, part of the reason that this is such a problem for the Bahamas is that the storm slowed down. It almost stalled over the Bahamas. It's only going about one mile an hour. The eye of the storm is only moving that fast. So because that is not going anywhere, it's just churning rain and rain and, you know, 160 mile per hour winds. It is down to a Category 4 which I guess is good news, but as it moves up the coast of Florida, it will looks like it's going to parallel, for the most part, the coastline from Florida up through Georgia into the Carolinas as well. But that's almost worse because then it's not going to diminish in size and strength as quickly as it would if it were to, uh, to go over land. So everywhere from, I think Miami Airport is still open, but all of the other airports that are up along the east coast of Florida are either closed completely or have limited operation because of the weather. And you get farther up into Jacksonville, Savannah, Charleston, Myrtle Beach, even they're all under uh, hurricane watches or warnings as this thing, it's this is going to be all week that they're going to be dealing with the effects of this. And we're just not getting enough information out of the Bahamas right now because of power outages and things. We just don't know the scope of the damage. Do you know that a parliament member there, Darren Henfield, described the damage as catastrophic? And they just aren't getting information on what's going on in that area. He said, we are in search and recovery mode. Continue to pray for us was a blackout on one of the most populous islands so there's just no information coming out of there the um the governor of florida ron DeSantis, is saying that uh, if this you know as they watch this it could just simply be a matter of a couple of miles that can determine the whether or not florida gets hit by this significantly this thing is perilously close to the state he said I think we should all hope and pray for the best, but we have to prepare that this could have major impacts on the state. If you look at the National Hurricane Center's current track, it ends up within 30 miles of the coast. And he says, you guess what? You just do a touch of a bump one way or the other, and you could have a dramatic difference all of a sudden. Also, like I mentioned before the break, FlightAware says 1,200 flights have been canceled because of the storm. That airports across Florida do make up a majority of the cancellations because Fort Lauderdale, Hollywood International and Palm Beach International have completely stopped all operations. Um, Many airlines are allowing you to change your flight without penalty as a way to get out of the storm's path. There is some positives. I mentioned that that it has downgraded from a Category 5 to 4 because of the wind speeds as well. And they're saying that this is a relatively small hurricane, which sounds weird, but it's not as large as other hurricanes have been. So this uh, small size, it's a uh, close in, which means that it's close to the uh, to the border. This The currents that steer this thing are relatively weak. They're saying that that means it's not likely to make that left turn and cross into uh, cross along the coastline. This may never make landfall again. Once it once it leaves the Bahamas, this may stay out in the ocean. Breaking news out of Oxnard, and unfortunately, this is grim news that we're going to continue to get all day long. Coast Guard spokesman now saying four bodies have been recovered near that boat that did catch fire off Santa Cruz Island. 29 remain missing, but again, feared dead in that early morning boat fire that we've been telling you about. I know you wanted to come in on Labor Day and have like a fun show and and all of that, but news just did not permit it. Well, it was, I was thinking, somebody asked me yesterday, what are you guys going to talk about on Labor Day? And I said, well, we're going to, first of all, we're going to talk about the hurricane. And then uh, this boat fire came up and uh, it became, it became uh, a bad news day. 
Uh, we will, a little bit later in the show, share with you a fun story. This is the story of, as far as I know, the first service horse being allowed onto an American Airlines flight. Well, that'll cheer us up. Um, the horse's name is Flirty. That horse does not want to be on that plane. This is like animal abuse. What are you doing bringing a horse onto a plane? Yeah, I... How... What an... What an ass-backwards thing to do. <laughs> I'm having trouble emotionally on my flight, so I'm going to bring a miniature horse so I'm on board. emotionally what the abuse hell are we a doing? horse. What are we doing? Horses shouldn't fly. No, they, they should not. They don't like flying. Not unless they're a Pegasus, and I don't think they are. I didn't see the wings on that horse. No wings on that horse. Gary and Channel will continue right after this. Gary and Shannon, the only two people in the building. <laughs> KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Honestly, like we'd never get the memo to take these days off. It's, it's and, always... then they, and then they're like here and we're like, oh, we forgot to take that off again. And I don't know why. It's always a surprise. We know the first Monday in September is Labor Day. I know. And then somewhere Oscar walks in and goes, hey, you guys, uh, you guys going to work Labor Day? And we like, go, damn it. Oh, we forgot again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, today was a, a probably a good day to work. I mean, there's, Absolutely. there's plenty to talk about. It's not like we're having to scratch and claw to talk about things. The Coast Guard now saying four bodies have been recovered near that dive boat that caught fire in the 3 a.m. hour this morning. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Matthew Kroll says the bodies recovered this morning had injuries consistent with drowning. This is... This Which a, I, I don't know if he elaborated on that or if that these uh, these were people who had burn injuries or if it was just consistent with drowning and and it wasn't the fire that killed him. I don't know. The uh, the boat that they were on, about a 75 foot boat called Conception uh, and works uh, is a boat in the fleet of Truth Aquatics. And they were on about a three day dive trip where they were going to be out and about through Santa Cruz Island uh, and I believe other Channel Islands as well, and they were anchored off of a port there in uh, the Santa Cruz Islands, just north of the island. And they were only about 20 yards off the shore in about 50, 55 feet of water. And this fire, don't know why it started at about 3.30 this morning, some of those first calls that came in, um, they immediately knew where they were. Uh, it was obviously easy for them to find. It's the boat that's on fire. The five crew members who were on board the boat were awake at the time, and they were able to get off the boat. It's not clear, at least according to the Coast Guard, what they tried to do, if anything, in terms of helping the other people out of the boat. But the 34 people assumed to have now been killed by this fire were believed to be in the bunk room and the bunk room is not a large room to begin with and they've got 34 bodies in there uh 34 people that were sleeping assuming at three in the morning 3 30 in the morning on bunks that would be i don't know if you've 
seen the inside of a submarine. I mean, it is a tiny cramped space where on some of the single beds, it's three bunks, uh, you know, one on top of the other. Even the double beds, there are double bunk beds where two people could sleep in each bed, but one on top of the other as well. It's it is a cramped, crowded space. It seems like a hazard on its face. I don't know if that would dawn on you, but I I was looking at pictures of inside this this bunk room, and I'm thinking, God, that would make me uneasy. I think it would. And by the way, those are the glamour photos. Right. Like those are the, you know, you, when you do your house and you're going to sell it, it's the everything is well lit. Everything looks clean and nice. I don't know what was inside this boat, but if it's 3.30 in the morning, it's going to be probably pitch black if not very very dark and you're going to be confused if you hear explosions because it sounds like there were explosions uh and there's one way in, in and out of that room it appears it must have been a a quick fire um that that just exploded pretty fast because if the crew is up there on deck sees the fire and jumps off immediately. It had to be that bad. It, ha- it had to not just be some smoke coming from from the bunk area. And if if in fact it was that quick, like you're talking about, there's a chance that it burned in an area that simply blocked the exit. And oh, that's chilling. The, the pictures that I've seen of the the boat itself, of the conception, there a- appear to be windows, small windows that would be in that bunk area, but not big enough for you to crawl through comfortably, especially not in the event that you have seconds to get out. So the Truth Aquatics is the outfit that ran this dive trip, and they left on Saturday at 4 a.m. It was supposed to be a three-day dive trip, and they were expected to return today at 5 p.m. So it was the last day of their diving excursion. Yeah, we talked with Chris Little, who has uh, been on boats like this for overnight dive trips, and uh, he described the the circumstances. I mean, the conditions uh, being on board can be very cramped. And if you've got, uh, you know, 30 people's worth of dive equipment somewhere stored on the ship as well, there's a potential for, for hazards. Now, there is safety features. There are safety features that are built into some of these oxygen tanks that people are going to use. So, you know, the technology for that is uh, advanced quite significantly, but that doesn't mean it's fail-safe. That doesn't mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that there could have been explosions or multiple explosions on this uh, on this uh, boat. Again, but, the news uh, that just came out moments ago is that they have recovered four bodies, they say, near the dive boat. And the the ship itself, or the boat itself, is underwater, they're saying. Uh, right. That, that as of about 6.30 or 7 this morning... It uh, went beneath the surface, so if it's 50 feet down, it's going to take some time for them to get divers down there and to uh, basically affect a recovery at that point. Yeah, it was odd when the captain, the Coast Guard captain, was answering questions from reporters this morning, and they asked, do you have divers that are searching? And she said, I don't have that information. Kind of cagey about it. Yeah, I, maybe she just didn't want to get into specifics about whether they're technically in the water at the moment that she was saying it, but... I don't. I don't know why that would be. Of course, they of course would have, they have divers, divers, right? It's the Coast Guard. Yeah, that's what they do. 
Um, anyway, if they do hold another news conference, they were saying at the end of the news conference at nine this morning that they were going to plan on holding another one later. And by then they might have more information. So if they do that a little bit later and during our show, we'll definitely bring it to you live from uh, from the Coast Guard station there in Oxnard. Kevin Hart had a car crash over the weekend. Damn. And when news about this crash came out, I'm thinking worst case scenario. Well, it uh, it sounded bad. They talked about a major back injury and that there's no such thing as a minor one. So the car was just completely obliterated. We'll talk about this and we'll talk about what sort of condition we think Kevin Hart is in based on the reports that we've seen so far. Oh, also that fault that we thought we didn't have to worry about the earthquake fault. That's, uh, I don't know, in Los Angeles. Yeah. News out that we could be devastated by this fault we thought we didn't have to worry about. I feel pretty certain we can say there's no fault that we should not be worried about. Also coming up this hour, did you hear what went on at the Fairmont in San Jose? Bizarre suicide that affected a hell of a lot of people. And a bunch of people got sick. Right. Gary and Shannon will continue on this Labor Day. It's Monday, September 2nd. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, so by the way, when you when you're listen if you are listening to us on the iHeartRadio app, down there a little when you like push the button and it blows up and you see a big KFI and it covers the whole screen yeah. or whatever device you're listening. Mm-hmm. There's a little box there with an arrow on it. You could share it with somebody. Like you could torture some friend with this show as well. Oh, that's great. That's like Guantanamo Bay stuff. Something like that. South Carolina's governor is uh, Henry McMaster is uh, holding a news conference right now. And they've said that some of the highways there in South Carolina have opened up the it would be the eastbound lanes to go westbound to get everybody away from the coast of South Carolina, uh, because this is the time to leave to get out of the way of Hurricane Dorian as it rolls up the east coast and it's going to be days and days of rain and wind for those parts of the that part of the country we're going to stay on top of all the news coming out of oxnard we're going to get back together with andrew mullenbeck coming up for an update there the news of course this hour that four bodies have been recovered near that dive boat lieutenant commander matthew kroll saying the bodies recovered this morning did have injuries consistent with drowning again 29 now feared dead in that boat fire kevin hart was in the news over the weekend. We heard really grim reports right after he was in that car accident early yesterday morning. Yeah, the alerts were that he had suffered a major back injury after the car that he was in rolled over. It was on Mulholland out towards Malibu. A uh, friend of his or his driver uh, was was driving the car. It's a incredible 71 Barracuda that he bought for himself just a short time ago to celebrate his own 40th birthday it's a beautiful was a beautiful plymouth barracuda jared black is the guy who was driving and he was pinned in the vehicle as it flipped upside down and was seriously injured as well he had to be airlifted to ucla 
He is said to be surrounded by family members as he recovers. It looks like it was Jared's fiance, Rebecca Brockstrom,an who was the other person in the car. She's a celebrity trainer, and they said that she was pinned in the back seat. But firefighters were able to pull her from the wreckage without major injuries. The result, TMZ also did a report yesterday that that Kevin Hart was actually physically able to walk away from the accident, and a called a security guard. Uh, the bodyguard came and picked him up and took him home before he went to the hospital. He was rushed to the hospital with cops with what cops called a major back injury. Yeah. And uh, again, according to TMZ, he underwent surgery last night. They caught up with his wife, TMZ did this morning, on her way into the hospital. Had a coffee with her. She says Kevin's going to be just fine. She said that he is awake and recovering. That's uh, but that there's no such thing. I think there's no such thing as a minor back injury. So to say it's a major no. back injury is kind of redundant. It's and if it's if it required surgery, whatever it was, that is a terrifying prospect going forward because there's so so little. I don't want to say success rate. The surgery may be successful, but this is going to be potentially a lifelong problem for him. Back injuries like this don't go away. Well, the doctors say that they are, are optimistic that he will make a full recovery and that he is able to walk despite that injury. So good news coming out of that. Hey, a uh, couple of weeks ago, we got into this. Uh, I don't even remember why we started talking about Chuck Connors. But you said <laughs> something about we have a I great... know why. Okay, tell me why. We were talking about the Twitter ongoing poll or debate, I guess you could say. Which show was better, Seinfeld or Friends? Oh, that's right. That day, Twitter was all about Seinfeld and Friends and people fighting over which show was better. And somebody mentioned that they learned how to be a man by watching the guys on Friends. And I said, that's not who you learn to become a man from. You learn how to be a man watching The Rifleman. And you said, Chuck Connors. And then we all started a big love fest for Chuck Connors. Like, what would Chuck Connors do in this situation? You know what Chuck Connors wouldn't do? He wouldn't bring on a freaking miniature horse as an emotional support animal on a flight, would he? No. No, he'd bring a full-size horse I believe he, you'd get your ass kicked for doing something like that around Chuck Connors. Yeah. Which is the way it should be. And we've and so that started a couple of days' worth of Chuck Connor adulation, where everything... What everything we said had some reference to Chuck Connors or the Rifleman or what a great guy was. Or- and everybody agreed with us. Yeah. I mean, there was a great nostalgic outpouring of us celebrating Chuck Connors and the man he played in the Rifleman. However, not everybody loved Chuck Connors. In fact, somebody somebody called us to tell us that Chuck Connors is not a nice man. Jacob, I have my computer right here, and we're going to... Here we go. The argument as to why Chuck Connors is a bad person. Please tell Shannon that uh, Chuck Connors is a jerk. Oh, he's a jerk. Uh, personal experience. Back in the 70s when I was moving furniture, I was had stopped my truck in a driveway. That was a multi-car driveway, and I had just about finished unloading all the furniture into this house and he came along and told me I had to move and to push it he pulled out his wallet with a reserve sheriff badge on it yeah he did in it and uh, 
handmade. Uh, told me I, if I didn't move it, he'd arrest me. He welded it and himself. And I told him I had just a few things. It'd take me longer to load things up than it would to me finish the job. He, he didn't seem to care. So just just to let you know, he didn't seem to care. he's a jerk. Personal experience. Thank you. Larry. <laughs> oh, Larry, I'm sorry that you had that experience with Chuck Connors, that he asked you to move a car in the 1970s, and it's still bothering you. And Larry lets things go, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> 1970s, a man asked me to move a truck. <laughs> Chuck Connors remains a good guy, in and my I'll opinion. I'll never forget the day. <laughs> the look in his eyes, he said. Hey, buddy, you going to move that truck? You know what? We could use a little Chuck Connors today. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and pull up that, uh, that music? Either one of you ever been shot? Yeah. Have you? <laughs> either one of you been shot? Do you like the uh, him walking down the oh, street? Oh, yeah. That's okay, what then. I like. The Rifleman. From the hip. Yeah. And he was literally... Bef- Chuck Connors. So uh, the character's name was Lucas McCain. Sure. Uh, it was almost John McCain. That was originally going to be the character's name was John McCain. Huh. I always thought that was a kind of an odd name for him. Lucas? Yeah. Probably just because of the late 80s film, Lucas. Okay. You know that that was made before the film. Right. Oh, okay. I just feel like it's off brand. Okay. Uh, when we come back. It's time for us to uh, talk more about earthquakes because uh, the news is getting even better today. Uh, also, we got to check in with your friend who's staying at that hotel. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about the Fairmont Hotel in San Jose, the weird suicide over the weekend that caused it to be evacuated. I know somebody's supposed to be there tonight. So uh, I'm going to tell them to keep the windows open. Gary and Shannon will continue. Nick finds the best videos online. Like, first it was the You Know Your Judo Well guy. Ah. Then it was uh, the Massachusetts guys with the sunfish. And now it's uh, sitting on the toilet. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Jay, what is it? <sighs> Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We work on Labor Day. Do you? Well, you don't have to Labor Day shame people. No, I'm just asking. It's not a shame thing. I'm just asking. I mean, if we weren't here, we never would have known that Amy King blew that toilet apart. Right. And I she- mean, that that's the reason I woke up this morning, was to see what Amy King did to that toilet. Uh-huh. Do one thing. It's not like I left a turd on the floor like other people have done. Uh, actually, did you see what... You know, never mind. No. I won't get into it. <laughs> Uh, it's on Instagram. What's matter with people? At Gary and Shannon on Instagram. You can see it and, uh, and tell people about it. We have, uh, we've talked with Andrew Mullenbeck at the beginning of the show. We'll catch up with him in the next hour. He is out in Oxnard following the story of this uh, dive boat charter that caught fire overnight. It was, uh, it was anchored just off of Santa Cruz Island, off the coast there of Ventura, out of Santa Barbara is when it left 
a couple of days ago, at least five, uh, they said they found four bodies, but they're expecting that everyone who was on board uh, was killed in this fire. The crew members were able to escape, but that left 34 people there in the uh, in the cabin, and it's expected that all of them lost their lives overnight. Have you ever heard of the Wilmington Blind Thrust Fault? No. No, me neither. Well, it is a fault line. Stretches for about 12 and a half miles. It runs northwest from Huntington Beach. It goes directly beneath Los Angeles and Long Beach Harbors. And then it goes up past the east side of PV and out towards Santa Monica Bay. Researchers say they've known for decades that this fault existed, but it was dormant, or at least they thought so. There's a new report done by a doctoral student oh, from Harvard. Oh, what does Harvard. he know? Oh. Franklin Wolf is his name. Harvard. Okay. He has found that the Wilmington Blind Thrust Fault is actually, in fact, alive and kicking and could affect the overlying ports of L.A. and Long Beach. Um, they say that this definition of a blind thrust fault is that the fault itself does not actually reach the surface, so there's no there's no hills or cracks or breaks or anything that you would otherwise normally see that would indicate that there is a fault down there. They knew that this was a fault, though, sits below the Wilmington oil fields because the oil industry itself showed uh, through its drilling and testing of the soil in the area that there were deep layers of rock that indicated that there was a fault down there. It is active, and the scientists say it could cause a destructive 6.4 magnitude earthquake if it ruptured, and if it linked with other faults, could trigger an earthquake in the magnitude 7 range. Yay! It's great, huh? Yay. Great news. I would just say if you're getting into the world of geophysics. Uh, like Franklin? Like Franklin. Franklin Wolf. What do you think he does for fun? Uh, he goes. Like this is his fun, isn't it? Probably. Yeah. This was the most fun he's had in years. Um, if you're going to get into the world of tectonic plates, let's just go into it with the assumption that there is no such thing as a dormant fault. Because I don't understand... I don't understand the benefit of looking at it and saying, hey, guys, don't worry about that one. Right. Shouldn't we always have a little bit of concern about every single uh, fault that that exists? They are saying that the um, the specifics of, you know, finding these rock folds. They saw them deep enough that they didn't believe that this was an active fault line. So they suggested that it was about two million years ago that the Wilmington blind thrust fault went dormant about 10 years ago a scientist at the geological survey was studying the architecture of groundwater reservoirs mm, that is fun and said that <laughs> again party animal uh said there did appear to be some folding in the rock and some more shallow layers than the oil industry researchers would have looked at franklin wolf says that the fault is very slow moving and could be expected to rupture sometime in the next, oh, three to 5,000 years. Wait a minute. Yeah. So we don't have to worry about it? I mean, if it, I mean, in all if honesty, that's the time range we're working with, right? Then why worry about it? Yeah. But then again, right, I uh, just uh, need to reiterate to myself what I said earlier. Let's just assume that all fault lines are active. Franklin agrees with you. Good. He says it makes you wonder how many other faults are in California that are not detected and slow moving. 
He said, of course, the San Andreas Fault is the most noteworthy, but many other faults in California are capable of creating damage. This one, by the way, runs near the Newport Inglewood Fault. That one is the one responsible for the earthquake in 1933 in Long Beach, killed 120 people, and prompted what we now have when it comes to earthquake building regulations. Okay. When when do we get one? When do we get a good earthquake? And I don't, uh, not today. I don't mean, not not today. Well, there's We're a lot going on with already. Enough. There is a lot going on. Um, we uh, at, in the next hour are going to tell you a story about the service horse. We knew this was coming, right? I mean, we'd been doing stories about how airlines were changing or expanding the definition of what a service animal was, what they would be allowed to bring onto their uh, uh, onto the airplanes. You know, I'd really like to talk to somebody who knows about miniature horses, about what toll a flight takes on a miniature horse. You know, that's an that is an interesting question. We talk about service animals for the benefit of the human, yeah. right? Who's I mean, looking out for the animals? But are, yeah, do we use them up? I mean, what what happens when the animal can't give any more service? Like they're just worn out. They've given so much in their little hearts, and they just can't give any more. Because I saw the video of this of Flirty on the plane. Flirty does not look happy. Flirty looks like Flirty's dreaming about being turned into glue to get away from this lady. Yeah, he's ready to end it all. all I right. get it. I mean, if I was a miniature horse, I sure as hell wouldn't want to get on a plane. <laughs> I think I am going to make that my ringtone for you now, <laughs> if I was a miniature horse. Uh, when we come back, the Fairmont Hotel up in San Jose had to be evacuated over the uh, weekend. Somebody committed suicide in a very strange way, and it affected just about everybody else who was in that hotel. We'll explain the whole story when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member. Member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Delta says a flight from Atlanta to the Bahamas was forced to turn back because of high crosswind speeds. Delta Who's says, flying to the I Bahamas don't know. Now? That is my question as well. Delta says it was flight 337, had 42 customers on board, took off just before 10 a.m. this morning because forecasts showed crosswinds within limits and NASA's airport is open. But apparently while the flight was en route, the wind speeds increased. So they had to go back to Atlanta. Uh, okay. That Hurricane Dorian is now Category 4, and is they said it's, there's a chance it could go back up to a Category 5 once again, but it is going to roll up the East Coast, it looks like, and it might not ever make landfall uh, along anywhere in the continental United States, even though it has been uh, causing massive damage in the Bahamas. There was a picture, a uh, couple of images that I saw earlier, a parking lot that had a couple of dozen cars in it. Every 
single vehicle had massive damage to it, and all of the windows were gone in every single one of the vehicles. Every single one. It looks like law enforcement authorities have made it a point not to say the name of that shooter who shot and killed seven people in West Texas while discussing the details of this incident on television. They did release the name through a Facebook post, but it looks like we are moving towards what you and I have long said, that we should not identify these people. Uh, FBI has been reluctant in recent years to refer to these perpetrators of mass shootings by name because, you know, copycat killers are a real possibility. They're a reality. So without that undue attention, does that prevent a, a shooting, at least one or more? Maybe. Uh, and then several people presume dead. We have four bodies, but we expect to see couple dozen more, unfortunately. This dive boat fire uh, from very early this morning, just off Santa Cruz Island. It was uh, anchored just off of the island, which is almost due east from Ventura. Sorry, due west from Ventura. And the uh, the five crew members on board were able to get off the scuba diving vessel, but they're saying that the 34 other people are all believed to have been killed. All Police right. are investigating a mysterious death up in the Bay Area. This is San Jose, and we're talking about the Hotel Fairmont downtown. It was a mysterious death of a woman in room 1912, and they're investigating the mixture of possibly poisonous chemicals found in her room that happened to sicken nine other people. They're not, they're not saying exactly what it was. Um, I just checked again and uh, tried to scour to see if they've released the information about what chemical this was. They're saying just based on what witnesses described, some experts are suggesting it may have been hydrogen sulfide gas, which can do a lot of different things. Very high concentrations can lead to death very quickly, but it's just weird. This woman, about 10 in the morning, commits suicide, they believe. A hotel, a hotel staff member found her dead in her room and smelled a weird odor. At the time... When they responded, there was apparently a note in the room that said, I committed suicide by poisonous gas. One smell and you'll die. And they're not, they don't know, was that a was that a threat? Was that just a warning for anybody who may have discovered the body? More than 100 people were evacuated from this luxury hotel. Some of them were complaining of feeling faint, lightheaded, sort of short of breath. The chemicals have not been identified. They say doing so, figuring out what exactly we're dealing with, is a long, slow process, according to the fire captain. I wonder how much was psychosomatic, too. Well, probably a lot. I mean, if especially if you you smell something funny, but then... You, you found out that there's a dead woman. Right. And you go, oh, yeah. Dad, and you start feel... freaking out about it. They, um, that same fire department captain... Did... Why does that guy have to be Midwestern? <laughs> Which guy? The guy that just started to feel funny. Oh, yeah, there. I feel that, too, yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Fire Department Captain Mitch Matlow says that they did identify the chemicals, turned that information over to the police, and they're asking us not to release any more information, is what he said. Um, the nine people were transferred to a local hospital. Most of those were hotel staff members. A couple of them were other guests as well. And when asked whether or not this woman's death was an apparent suicide... All the fire captain said was, we don't know at this point whether it was suicide or not, but it was death by a mixture of chemicals, specifically. Now, your friend who's a pilot is yeah. due to stay in this hotel tonight. Yeah, I guess this is uh, used by a couple airlines as their staff hotel. So when you fly into, is it, I think it's Norm Mineta Airport, right? It is, right? yes. Uh, that this is where they would stay in between flights or overnight. 
So uh, I'll just tell them to keep the keep the uh, windows open, I suppose. I, mean, I don't know what else. Normanetta, dead or alive? Normanetta is dead. Alive. What? Yep, eighty-seven years old. Did That's got to be. Did he do enough to get a airport named after him? He's Secretary of Transportation. What did he do? Yeah, he was Secretary okay. of Tra- uh, under Bush, I believe. Okay, well, I mean, that and. Uh, he, I assume, lived in San Jose or lives in San Jose. He worked for a public relations firm after he left the cabinet. Now he works for an energy company as a vice chairman. I don't know if that's enough to get you onto an airport. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be, wouldn't, if he ever, he's got to fly in and out of San Jose, right? Yes. So if you rolled into the airport and you show your ID... At Normanetta International Airport, mm-hmm. and you're Normanetta, isn't there some, there's got to be some recognition there. There's got to be, because he's not, he's not high enough to, to fly private planes everywhere, I suppose. Although energy companies do have a lot of money. I'm pretty sure he flies private. I don't think he has to show his ID to anybody. Okay. I just think it'd be funny if he's, uh, you know, hopping on a Southwest flight to Vegas for a strong weekend. He's, uh, and he's like, hey, don't you know who I am? That's my name on the front of the building. Normanetta has 11 grandchildren. I bet you didn't know that. I met a kid last night. He's, He's one of Normanetta's grandchildren? No, no. Oh. He's the oldest of eight kids. That's a lot. He's like 18, He must be super old. responsible. I have no idea. But he's got a one-and-a-half-year-old brother. And everybody in between. That's like an Irish Catholic family? I don't know. I don't know. That just seems like a busy, loud household. Uh, a lot of dishes. Oh, could you imagine? I hope they have enough bathrooms. I'll tell you this. They better not invite Amy King over. I'll oh, be, stop. I'll would be, you? <laughs> Sorry. She's like I'm a, just teasing. She's like I'm, I'm impressed about what you did to that toilet. The sheer power that yes. I have. Wow. Yes. Unleashing. Broke the toilet lid. That's her seat right off. Incredible. So walk us through how it happened again. Well, I entered the restroom to use the facilities this morning, and the toilet seat was up. Yeah. And so I put it down, and it just broke. The sheer force. The sheer force of my strength. I'm impressed, Amy. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we will talk trending, all the stories trending. We'll get an update out of Oxnard, too, all about that deadly boat fire uh, this morning. Nick, can we get a graph to compare... Toilets. We're going to need to replace that one, I think. He'll be on it. You better get the industrial strength one. Get the one with the really big seat on get it. Get the That'd one Amy won't destroy. No, you can call on me when you need somebody. No, you can call on me when you can't stop the tears from falling down. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Who's in for John and Ken today? Is it Suitsy? I can check. Oh, okay, it's Suits. Katie was asking on Twitter at Gary and Shannon. Makes sense. Brian Suits coming up at 2. Tell us about his adventures in garage sailing over the weekend. Oh, is that what he did? Yes. He texted me to see if I had any garage sales in my neighborhood, but they have a rule in my neighborhood that you can only do garage sales on the second Saturday. Second Saturday or second weekend? Really? 
Oh, yes. You're so fancy. No. We that have is not... we have yard sales every day where I live. People put broken <laughs> toilets out there and everything. Hey, uh, how much for that toilet seat? Yeah, that's my neighborhood. <laughs> uh, Daniel wrote to me an email, said, I had a three-day trip uh, diving on the Conception boat in the early 80s. It's a nice, comfortable boat. This is like first-class diving. Three-day diving trip cost about 280 bucks, but of course that was 35 years ago, and I don't know how much it would be today. Uh, but Daniel says, I loved it. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, what happened last night is very bad news. We're talking about the fire on board the Conception, a diving boat that was doing a, a three-day charter out of Santa Barbara. It was off Santa Cruz Island when it caught fire very early this morning. Andrew Mullenbeck is out there and joins us now. Andrew, what can you tell us? Well, since the first time we talked, we did find out that four bodies have been recovered next to the boat that first caught fire and then largely sank. Now, this boat was only about 20 yards off the coast of Santa Cruz Island when, for whatever reason, it just took off in flames. Right about 3.30 this morning, there were 39 total people on that boat. And so far to this point still, the only five people known to have survived were crew members of that dive boat. They were all apparently on a bridge or a top deck and were able to jump off. And that also might speak to how quickly whatever happened went on on that boat, that the, the only known survivors were all on an upper level where they were able to jump off and survive. They ended up being picked up by another boat that was in the area. But that left 34 people unac unaccounted for. And in the last hour or so, the update that we got are that four bodies have been found. And again, no additional survivors do we know about. So that leaves about 30 people that they may find one way or another today. The boat itself is underwater, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, just part of the hull was sticking up. Um, but you, you saw the pictures. They were just incredible how the, the fire tore this thing apart and most of the boat sank. That must have been fairly quickly, too, because by the time the, the first responders got there on their own firefighting boats, they took some video and photos, and there just wasn't much of it left. It, it was just gutted and, and was still on fire, and then and most of it ended up sinking. And so that's what the focus is right now. Crews, it, it's mostly Coast Guard. Other agencies are involved, of course, as well, fire departments and so forth. But the Coast Guard is using boats. They have helicopters up. They're looking for any sign of survivors. They're also checking in with Santa Cruz Island and, and perhaps some other areas if anybody might have been able to make it to shore or hop on another boat and be rescued that way. Uh, that would be the optimistic thinking at this point, that maybe somebody made it to land and just hasn't been able to communicate. But it it's a pretty heavy feeling at this point, uh, given what the first responders saw, the condition of that boat, knowing that it sank, and then knowing at the same time that you have about 30 people unaccounted for, four confirmed dead. Is this island a place where people spend the night or what's on, what's on this island? Well, all I know that it was a dive trip and that they were anchored about 20 yards off the coast. Uh, I have not been on a diving trip in that area myself. Uh, you, one would presume that it was a couple of day uh, trip over the long weekend that maybe they were planning to go out today. But beyond that, it, it would just be kind of speculation on, on my part. I know you talked just a second ago that the, the boat is called Conception. It's been around for a long time in the Santa Barbara area. It's operated by Truth Aquatics, which has a number of boats, a few boats, and that 
operate dive tours in the area. Uh, they do have a permit. Uh, the owner of that company has been talking with officials, but so far no indication as to what caused this boat to just almost explode and fire overnight. Andrew, thank you. Appreciate it. Yep. Andrew Mullenbeck there live out in Oxnard again, the latest on this uh, dive boat ship, uh, dive boat that caught fire overnight. And the uh, assumption now is that we 34 people were killed. They've only recovered four bodies, though. Hurricane Dorian looks like it is at a Category 4 storm battering the Bahamas. It had been a Category 5 storm overnight. Forecasters say that we may be spared a direct hit here in the United States, but it will be moving close to Florida's east coast by late Monday. Mandatory evacuations are underway in some parts of Florida and ordered for later Monday for the coastlines of South Carolina and Georgia. Saturday in Odessa and Midland, Texas, a guy went crazy and shot and killed a bunch of people and shot and injured several others. Seven people were killed, 22 people injured after this guy started shooting at a routine traffic stop. He opened fire on the cops, who the state troopers who took him over, uh, took off in a gold-colored car, shooting randomly, they said, for the 10 miles that he was driving. Now, something happened with this guy. According to the New York Times, they talked with people who said he had lost his job just hours before this rampage. And, and they found, once he was shot and killed by police, they found an AR-15-style rifle with hundreds and hundreds of rounds of ammunition in it. So the, the cops may have actually prevented him from going and... Uh, I shouldn't say prevented him from doing a shooting, obviously, because that's what happened, but prevented him from going to a workplace or uh, wherever he was intending to go and sort of put the pressure on him. And that's when he started shooting. One of the guys who was killed actually left Las Vegas after the shooting at that music festival there in 2017. Wow. His daughter said that he felt like Odessa was the place to go. He sold everything in Vegas and moved to Odessa in hopes that things would be safer for him and the family. Uh, authorities have identified and charged a guy they say had a pipe bomb-like device at his home after an investigation led to the cancellation of the South Plainfield, New Jersey Labor Day Parade. The mayor, or the governor, I think, was supposed to be there. Uh, it turns out, according to the guy's brother, it's not its not an explosive device. It's fireworks. Because what, what screams Labor Day more than fireworks? Sirhan Sirhan, dead or alive? Uh, well, almost dead. Somebody tried to get him dead. Yeah, he was attacked by another inmate and put in the hospital, apparently. He was How a, old is he He's got to be in his Let me, 80s. I'll Google that. Uh, he was at the Richard Donovan Correctional Facility near San Diego. I believe it's out uh, Otay Mesa. 75. So, close. This wounded inmate, whoever it was, because they're being very coy about it, was returned to the Donovan Correctional Facility yesterday after the stabbing on Friday. Do you think at this point you stab the guy because he's Sirhan Sirhan or well, because he took your spork from the cafeteria? Sirhan Sirhan's attorney says that he was attacked randomly while walking around the track in the prison yard. Okay. Another inmate walked up from behind, slashed him across the left side of his neck with a blade of some sort, possibly a razor, just below the ear, lost a bunch of blood, and did not go after the guy because he thought he was going to bleed out. He's currently feeling weak, but believes he's alive by the grace of God. This is the guy who shot and killed Robert F. Kennedy. Yes, sir. Okay.
Grace of God. Coming up next, there is no denying the benefits of having an animal companion. Yes. You know, research has linked owning a pet to reduced rates of heart disease, improved weight loss outcomes, lower blood pressure. And now people are taking it a step too far. We'll introduce you to Flirty, the service horse, when we come back. Flirty. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Have you seen him yet, Amy? No, but he's, he's so cute. cute. Yeah. He's got a little sadness in his eyes, though. That's because somebody put him on a plane. You almost said a bad word. You're right. His ticket, so stay. All you have to do is wait a second. Your hands on mine. The clock is ticking, so stay. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We kind of have our own hurricane style weather going on today. It's moist outside. Well, the air conditioning has been turned off on this holiday. Well, but and I mean, pe- and out- people apparently forgot how to flush the toilet as well. What happens? I don't in here know on the what goes on. I don't know and what goes we on. We both used to come in on Sundays, yeah. and I don't remember it being just a free for all. No. When did this become Lord of the Flies in here? <laughs> and does it start at Friday at the close of business? Like 5 o'clock, the place just goes south? Oh, God. All right. Uh, authorities say that shooter in West Texas was fired from his job and oddly called both police and the FBI before the mass shooting began. They say that this guy had been fired over the weekend from Journey Oil Field Services and that... Both the shooter and the company called 911, but he was gone by the time police showed up. Wow. The FBI special agent in the area said this guy's comments on the FBI tip line were rambling. And he called his he own. called the FBI, and then 15 minutes later after that phone call, that's when he was pulled over for that routine stop failing to signal a lane change. Wow. Uh, Kevin Hart has reportedly undergone back surgery. There was a car crash that he was involved in very early yesterday morning. You may have seen the headlines from this. And uh, originally they said it was a major back injury. Uh, TMZ caught up with his wife as she was visiting him in the hospital and said that he's going to be just fine. But uh, still a scary moment when his just absolutely classic Plymouth Barracuda flipped off of Mulholland and ended up upside down in a ditch. He wasn't driving. The guy who was driving also suffered some pretty serious injuries and had to be airlifted to UCLA Medical Center. Officials with the Coast Guard say four people, four bodies have been recovered from that area where the boat went up in flames this morning. In the three o'clock hour, 29 people remain missing, obviously feared dead. Five crew members were rescued from that fire. There are reports there was an explosion on the boat, but that has not been confirmed. The boat, again, mostly underwater near Santa Cruz Island. Last month, the U.S. Department of Transportation issued a final statement of enforcement policies to clarify exactly what service animals would be allowed on board commercial airplanes. Here's the list. Dogs, cats, miniature horses. Who gave the green light to miniature horses being brought on an airplane? I would imagine the miniature horse lobby is very, very strong. Not. I don't know. Who, listen, we talk so often about people and their fragile natures and so many other people who make excuses for people and their fragile natures. The idea that you would, listen, I love my dog. He brings me great joy. Do I feel he helps me get through my days? 
sometimes when I stare into those deep brown eyes and I know that there's nothing going on behind them. <laughs> but the idea that I would... Your wife's going to be pissed at you for that comment. No, she knows. Oh, okay. I mean, I think. I don't know. It's a good... Yeah. Well, I love him dearly. I think you may have just talked yourself into the doghouse. <laughs> I love him dearly. <laughs> but the idea that I would take him on an airplane to... A... To help you is off the off the table. Not even an option because you know why? You'd be thinking, what would that do to my dog? How would that screw with my dog if right. I brought it on a plane for the love of God? But people are not thinking about their pets first. They're thinking about themselves. There was... And their fragility. Apparently, this is not the new thing, but American Airlines, um, on board of an American Airlines flight from Chicago to Omaha, a woman brought on Flirty, the miniature horse. Flirty looks pissed in all these pictures, you guys. Flirty's um, posing with the crew. Uh, they all have smiles. Flirty's not smiling. Horses don't smile. Well, Amy, I think that if... This horse does not look happy. Okay, yeah, I will, thank I'll you. give you that. I, I mean, he does look miserable. Or she looks miserable. They took video of the horse on the flight. She looks like she's in distress. Is it, is it possible? Now, to, to that point, though, let's go back to this. Is it possible that we're just not familiar enough with the, with the cues that horses give us? I mean, we know what... When dogs like us, they'll, they'll look at us and... You know, they'll make eye contact with us when cats like us. They'll rub their butts on us. I mean, those are simple cues that we know these animals like us. Is it just that we don't know enough about horses to say that Flirty is having a good day or not? I have very little information on horses. Uh, I am not an equestrian expert. By the way. I am not ready for the Rose Parade. <laughs> but uh, I will tell you this. This horse is pissed. Flirty, the mini service horse, is the Instagram account for Flirty, the mini service oh, horse. Wait, what is that again? Flirty dot the dot mini dot service dot horse. It's a lot of dots. It's a lot of dots. P.S. Uh, Karen wrote to me and wanted to get a shout out for her daughter's birthday. Is her daughter's name Flirty? No, her daughter's name is Madison and she's turning 11. Congratulations, Madison. What a wonderful holiday. Somebody wrote on Flirty's Instagram account. Here's a video of Flirty taking a nap on the first flight. She was so relaxed once we got up in the air and stood very quietly. You can see that she's dozing, which she wasn't in the video. I fed her a lot of treats while we were ascending and descending to keep her swallowing and allow her ears to adjust to the pressure. She did show some discomfort by shaking her head once or twice, but the treats mostly did the trick to keep her comfortable. I, I'm beginning to hate the person who brought Flirty so onto this airplane. So I'm on the Instagram page right now, Flirty, the the mini service horse, yeah. and look at the one of the posts that she just put up, the owner. It's a quote. It says, oh, have the courage to be disliked. Got it. And she says she's getting a lot of hate from got people. It. So she's now suggesting that she is a warrior. Yes. For this. Yes. She is a warrior by subjecting her horse to this. Here she is in line at the counter. That's a big little horse. That you can say that again. I mean, no, if I mean for a miniature horse, like I've seen teeny tiny miniature horses that are like a large dog. This is like a great dane almost. Well, this when this is a the video that I've seen, horse. she's standing across all three seats. 
Uh, she's, you know, front row right at the bulkhead there, but she's... How would you like to be the person in the middle seat on that one? Yeah, I don't... <laughs> uh... She or said, if you're on one end or the other and you get the business end of the horse for the whole flight. Oh, boy. This needs to be outlawed. This needs to be outlawed on behalf of all look at his, miniature horses. Look at the look in her eyes. Not ready. Not happy. Nope, not happy. Don't put a horse on a plane. Can't the woman have just taken a Xanax or something? Exactly. Do or a what the bus. rest of us do. <laughs> she did say she's going to travel by car because it's just... It's kind of a pain. Why doesn't she travel by horseback and then bring her miniature service horse on horseback with her? Like in a front pack carrier or something. These are all solutions to what I see as a very big problem for flirty. Politics doesn't take Labor Day off. You're damn right it doesn't. When we come back, we'll talk Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon will continue. Labor Day, Monday, September 2nd. I realized this morning, right as I walked in the building, the reason I didn't mind working today was... The parking. Because the parking is fantastic. The parking is so good. And traffic was non-existent today. Nobody there. Yeah, so tomorrow is going to be an absolute nightmare. Absolutely. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. That's 12, 1230 is when we dive into Washington. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. So the president yesterday was at the FEMA headquarters in D.C. and he was being briefed on Hurricane Dorian, and he said. That he's unsure that he's ever even heard of a Category 5 hurricane. Uh, Americans are strong, determined, and resilient, and we will support each other. And we will work very hard to minimize whatever the effect of, of what's coming at us. We don't even know what's coming at us. All we know is it's possibly the biggest. I have not sure, I'm not sure that I've ever even heard of a Category 5. I knew it existed, and I've seen some Category 4s. You don't even see them that much, but... A Category 5 is something that uh, I don't know that I've ever even heard the term other than I know it's there. That's the ultimate, and that's what we have, unfortunately. I don't know if I've ever heard the term other than I know it's there. I've never heard of a Category 5. I knew it existed. These are statements that seem to cancel each other out. This, by the way, is the fourth Category 5 storm to threaten parts of the country since Trump became president. You had Hurricane Irma, Hurricane Maria, Hurricane Michael. Yeah, but when you say Category 5, do you mean a Category 5? Yeah. Oh. It's weird. Uh, The president is busy with uh, the federal declarations of emergency for all of these different areas of the United States because of uh, Dorian. The White House did approve emergency declaration for the U.S. Virgin Islands as well earlier in the week before Dorian made landfall and ordered federal assistance to support relief efforts in the area. Uh, so that that's going to be top of mind for him, perhaps, for the next several days as we see Dorian make its way up the East Coast. But tweet, tweet, tweet. what do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax and enjoy my tweets. 
spent early Labor Day uh, potentially breaking the toilet seat like Amy did and uh, firing off on Twitter. The Amazon Washington Post did a story that I brought racist attacks against the squad, being those four members of uh, four freshman members of Congress. And he says, no, they brought racist attacks against our nation. All I do is call them out for the horrible things they've said. The Democrats have become the party of the squad. Um, so he went on to talk about, he says, the lamestream media has gone totally crazy. They write whatever they want, seldom have sources, even though they say they do, never do fact-checking anymore, and are only looking for the kill. They take good news and make it bad. They are now beyond fake. They are corrupt. Do you remember on Friday we talked about how his personal secretary got canned? Now we're learning why. Apparently, she was at a dinner with reporters, and she said something after having a couple pops that, uh, that Trump didn't like being in photos with his daughter Tiffany because he thought she was overweight. Okay. <laughs> he told... Reporters. What a horrific thing to say. Yes. And I mean, I, I don't know whether he said it or not. I'm not. Whoever came up with this, whether it was him or if that was her take on it, this press secretary, to say that to reporters. Oh, man. I mean, it's kind of like a off-the-record type dinner, but still. You can't never trust reporters. Well, one of the things that, that he said, the president said, was that he forgave this woman for for what she did West, Westerhout, yeah. i think her name is he said that uh, she called me she was very upset she was very down she called and i wished her well madeline westerhout yeah to which is surprising because he's you know if you drop something against him he will punch back at you quite vociferously and he didn't in this case which is kind of strange she is a former Republican National Committee aide. She was featured prominently in uh, the book American Carnage. Said that uh, Madeline Westerhout was inconsolable and crying on election night at the prospect of Trump winning. Which really, that's what Tim Alberta wrote. So, who knows? Hey, uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tul- I've okay. Tulsi Gabbard is arguably the most attractive presidential candidate we've had from an objective or subjective, whatever. She's, she's good looking, right? What? Well, I just think I'm objectifying that you have to point out what a woman looks like who... Because I'm going to tell you something about her physical appearance. You know, I never hear you saying like, oh, Beto looks good today or whatever. He looks like he needs a burger. But that's okay. Okay. Tulsi, I guess it's Misogynist Monday. Tulsi Gabbard. <laughs> it's a good thing we do it on a holiday I know, when that right? was around. Um, <laughs> Tulsi Gabbard uh, in a live Instagram video today. I think we can just start calling her Damn Girl. <laughs> Con- Congresswoman Damn Girl from Hawaii <laughs> uh, explained why she does not color her hair. If you've noticed in the debates, she has a gray streak of hair. And... What I thought was originally not natural, I thought somebody painted that in there to make her look a little bit older than her 38 years to add a sense of maturity to her because of everybody's obsession with looks. You got to have somebody who looks like they know what they're doing and can be respectable. And 38-year-old women don't necessarily cut through that way. Anyway, I'm going through all the tropes here to get myself in trouble. Yep. Uh, 
she was I'll be over here. She was asked in one of these comments, "Are you going to fix your hair or fix the your uh, your gray hair?" Thanks for tuning in. No, I'm not going to fix that gray strand. I don't know what you mean by fix. If you mean dye, no, I'm not going to dye it. I I actually uh, started going gray in that one spot uh, during and and after my first deployment to Iraq. Oh boy. And uh, so I keep it as uh, just a remembrance of those who we lost there and the cost of war and why we fight so hard for peace. There you go. Uh, And I don't, I mean, that seems like a stretch to me. I mean, it's one thing to say I keep it because I want to remember what I did. I don't know. It seems like using your military service to pander to Yes, exactly. It is weird. I don't like it. Do you know anybody whose hair has done that? Like in a traumatic experience, someone who had uh, their hair changes color? Only in the movies. Um, there was a kid in high school. Went to high school with a kid who was in a car accident, and he had a little spot of gray hair. He, I mean, black hair. Yeah. And he had a little spot about the size of a quarter that went gray. Interesting. And I don't know why. And he became, he became a congresswoman from the great state of Hawaii. Interesting. No, it's not. You just say that, but I know what. That's not what you mean. We'll continue Swamp Watch. It's just that he would have had to go from being a man to a woman. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Okay, now we're fact-checking no, stories. Okay, Got Gary it. and Shannon. Okay. Amy say K. what you want now. That's fine. Do you slide on all your nights like this? Do you try on all your nights like this? Monday, September 2nd, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, as many as 34 people presumed, presumed to have been killed in a boat fire uh, from early this morning. A dive boat, charter boat off the coast of Santa Cruz Island. Coast Guard says five crew members of this scuba diving vessel were rescued, but 34 passengers, uh, four bodies have been found, so the other 30 are expected to have been killed as well. Another big story out of Odessa, Texas, the shooter who began just a a, a spate of violence after a routine traffic stop had just been fired from his job. And it turns out that he called the police and the FBI before the shooting began. The weather forecasters say that Hurricane Dorian's wind strength has dropped a bit. So it's now a Category 4 hurricane. Don't even think I've ever heard of a Category 5. But it's uh, only moving at about a m- one mile an hour. So that has just been devastating, drenching uh, the islands of the Bahamas. National Hurricane Center says a life-threatening storm surge could raise water levels by as much as 23 feet above normal tide in parts of Grand Bahama Island. The White House offered up a detailed 26-point list of what officials have characterized as key successes about the president's summer. Um, The highlight reel, so to speak, ranged from the meeting with Kim Jong-un to imposing more sanctions on Iran and Venezuela. But despite that 26-point report, there are some White House aides that say it's been quite the grim summer for the president. And they say it this way, that the president has crashed through the remaining guardrails The chief of staff is still in an acting role and jobs that multiple aides once handled are now being filled by fewer staffers. 
I guess that. But was that is that a measuring tool by which we decide whether or not he had a good summer? I, I don't know. The Republican operative in frequent touch with the White House described the mood from the staff guys and gals as one of weariness, exhaustion, fatigue. Wake us when it's over. But here's the thing. Isn't every White House filled with staffers that work 90 hour weeks yes, and I... are fatigued? And that's why there's such turnover because the job is so demanding. Didn't you watch the West Wing? I was just going to say, Officer, or Officer President Jedediah. Jed- was that his name? I think so. Uh, yeah, he, all those guys, they all worked. Rob ex- Lowe. Excellent point. Worked very hard in that White House. Allison Janney. Busted her ass for that White House. Constantly. So. Dulé Hill. He was always at the president's right hand. Um, speaking of the president, there's, there's an interesting story about immigration and carving out one specific area to allow immigrants to stay in the United States. Politico is talking about, uh, with six different sources, they say, senators, congressional aides, and an administration official, Trump officials are discussing allowing Venezuelans to live and work legally in the United States through one of two existing programs that are used to protect immigrants who come from nations that are devastated by war or natural disasters. Now, they're saying that leaders in Florida specifically have been urging the administration to not deport Venezuelans specifically because they're fleeing from their problems in, you know, economic problems in Venezuela some of them are telling the president by way of other White House workers, they're telling him that this move would help him win in the state of Florida, which is interesting because they're saying that these protections specifically for Venezuelans like this would play well with other Hispanics in Florida, not just the Venezuelan Americans there, but Cuban Americans. And Florida's I don't know if you'd say it's in play. It's definitely important when it comes to 2020. He will need to win Florida if he's going to win a second term. And he did win narrowly in 2016, but his approval rating has dropped since the 2016 elections, at least specifically in Florida. So one Florida Republican told Politico, this makes perfect political sense for him to carve out this specialized... um, area of the law perhaps for venezuelans and it makes sense on so many levels so the other thing is they have to weigh that would hispanic voters in florida be enough of a positive to outweigh the negative uh, support that he would get or the the negative reaction that he would get from other supporters who love the fact that he's hardline on immigration so just interesting we'll see if it goes anywhere from just talking about it to some sort of actual policy. Well, with the shooting in Odessa, Texas, there's going to be more talk about gun control. There's going to be more talk about mental health. When we come back, we're going to be talking to somebody who in California is trying to help solve the problem, solve some some loopholes, maybe do something about uh, the people that could be a danger to themselves and to all of us as well. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Why is the People's Court on? Oh, I didn't change the channel. 
Is that people's court? No, uh, that's like the three judges. I don't know. It's hot bench or something like that. Mm. Hot bench. Hmm. That's what you're worried about. Uh, Hurricane Dorian is still is still churning right over the Bahamas, uh, causing massive problems, suggesting that uh, there could be a storm surge of 23 feet in different areas, uh, 23 feet above the uh, normal tide there in the Bahamas. Also, a uh, big story out of uh, Southern California is just off the coast. This fire aboard a diving charter boat from very early this morning. At least four bodies have been recovered so far, and they're saying 30 others uh, are likely to have been killed in this fire. I'm actually surprised we haven't heard about uh, more bodies being found. I thought that that grim news would just kind of trickle out throughout the day. Uh, I'm assuming that they'll have some sort of press conference at some point will obviously take that live. Believe that it's going to be at about 2 o'clock. That's at least the latest time. Uh, Brian Suits is in for John and Ken today, so he'll have more coverage of this as well. Well, we have talked a lot on this show about the uh, the shootings. Uh, Gilroy, El Paso, Dayton. You can go on and on and on. And our frustration that we don't really believe that it's one thing, whether it's gun control or mental illness, that there is an array of issues. And The frustration also that we're seeing these people as bad seeds before they commit these atrocities. They're revealing themselves to us. So what are we going to do about it? We've talked before about doing something and I should say the difference between doing something and doing something that is effective. Vern Pearson is the uh, the district attorney for El Dorado County. And he joins us for a nice, long, lengthy conversation about this. Thanks for coming in, by the way. We appreciate it. Morning, thank you. Uh, no, you're into. I'll get right up on that thing. Um, the uh, you also served as um, not just a prosecutor for 28 years, but a graduate of the Center for Homeland Defense and Security at the Naval Postgraduate School. Uh, this is something that you've been spending a lot of time on, looking at this, looking at what causes this, and looking how we can prevent this. Exactly. I've spent quite a bit of time on it, and but it's not just uh, the work that that I've been involved in, but it's important that it's exactly what you said on the lead-in on this. Um, there's a lot of research that's been done in looking at why people do this, what they look like, what the circumstances are uh, in, in terms of their lives, their contacts with other people, other humans. And uh, we know from the research that they, they, they leak this information. They leak their intention almost universally uh, uh, when, before they actually act. And so what can be done ahead of time in terms of prevention? Probably the best research that's been done on this uh, is from uh, people like the Secret Service. Uh, we all remember and acknowledge that the Secret Service has uh, spent their lifetime, uh, you know, our lifetimes uh, protecting presidents. And uh, pretty universally, uh, successfully in the last many, many years. And these are presidents that, uh, and other dignitaries that have a uh, significant amount of threats and people that want to cause them harm. So, so they've done a lot of work on that. So in, but in addition to that, every corporation, in, in a larger corporation in the world, every, uh, uh, the FBI, all these different organizations, the, the, the parent company here, I'm very confident they've done something called threat assessment, threat management, to where they say, Let's look at what the threats that are out there and how do we deal with them effectively. And there's, a, there's this large body of research that says there are things that we can do to prevent these types of acts. And we're not doing enough to actually incorporate them 
uh, beyond just protecting dignitaries and protecting our schools and protecting uh, uh, large gatherings and events. So what are these things that, that, that they have highlighted? Well, what in, in the threat assessment world, uh, the biggest thing, the biggest challenge is to differentiate between what's called a howler versus a hunter. We know that people that, who are actually dangerous, someone who will actually carry it out, uh, they're, they're best characterized as being a hunter. When they go in uh, to a whatever, pick, pick the mass shooting, pick the mass stabbing, and we've had those uh, cars uh, uh, being used as weapons, over and over again, the, the people that witness them describe the same type of thing, that they, they do not see an angry, emotional, out-of-control person. They see someone who's behaving almost as though they're in a, a trance. Uh, and uh, they, they are a hunter, and that's the best way to characterize them. Those people are the people that we're seeking to identify and act and try to do something to prevent it in advance. The howlers are this all other side of people that they, they, will, uh, they, you know, they, they will yell at other people, they'll send threatening letters, they'll, there's a whole host of different things, and it's differentiating between those twos. And the, the effective way to do that is through behavior, uh, an analysis of the behavior uh, that the person, and I could read through a list of questions that you can look at. They're, they're, uh, it's not uh, profiling. It's not based on ethnicity. It's not based on uh, uh, religious affiliation. Uh, we hear that over and over again. Just recently, there's talk now that uh, designating certain of these attackers as, as domestic terrorists well, they, they actually are. It's probably a legitimate designation to say they're a domestic terrorist because of the way they're acting. But it's actually not that helpful because we know that when someone's acting on behalf of a ideology of white supremacy, a Muslim extremist, whatever it might be, uh, there are certain commonalities within that person that, uh, uh, that, is, that are consistent despite the ideology changing. So... Um, so we look for the commonalities and, and just kind of reading through them. Uh, when something, someone comes to attention, you know, they're, they're, there was a threat to this building, let's say. Someone's made, send a letter to whatever it is. They go through and they, you look for things like uh, what's motivating the individual to engage in that concer- concerning behavior. What type of communications have they made to other people? One in particular is suicide ideation. Uh, they were talking about harming themselves, which is a very common, until very recently, that was very common in, in these types of incidents. Um, uh, inappropriate interest, that going back to like ideology, things like that, people who are fixated on, a, on uh, white supremacy, they're fixated on uh, ISIS, let's say, and uh, they were, there was people that were uh, watching beheading videos over and over again. That would include perhaps a, a fixation on previous Mass shootings or previous mass attacks of any kind? A hundred percent. And, you know, let's remember just uh, a few months ago was the 20th anniversary of Columbine. Columbine is probably, uh, particularly among the age group that, that might be potentially a school shooter, Columbine is, is the fixation that uh, larger than life uh, fixation that these people uh, very often will, will uh, they point to it. And they view them almost as, as uh, this mythology around those, those two shooters in that event. Um, and the fixation is, goes on and on and on, and they build up into it. And remember that at the end of the school year, um, it, I don't know how much uh, publicity got here in California, but approximately 60% of the kids in Colorado 
were either on lockdown or locked out of the school, coinciding with the Columbine uh, uh, anniversary, because of a woman who had traveled to Colorado who had this fixation with Columbine. And then just recently, just a couple days ago, there was a kid in Ohio that was picked up, an 18-year-old, Justin Olson is his name, and he was going online and, and, and talking about other shootings and the Oklahoma City bombing and all of that. And a prosecutor was able to use the recent attacks as justification to arrest him. Like, that was the the vehicle they used to, to bring that guy in. They go to his home. They find a bunch of weapons, 10,000 rounds of ammo, the whole bit. We'll talk more with Vern Pearson, the uh, district attorney from El Dorado County, coming up in just a few minutes. Yeah, no, Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. A couple stories that we're following. Several people presumed to have been killed in a fire aboard a diving boat off the coast of Santa Cruz Island at 2 o'clock. That's the latest we've heard. 2 o'clock is going to be the next briefing from the Coast Guard and the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department that's uh, handling the investigation here. As many as 34 people believed to have been killed in that boat fire early this morning. We continue our conversation now with Vern Pearson, El Dorado County DA. We're, we're talking uh, just off the air a second ago about um, the importance of interpersonal connections a lot of times. And that when we look at, this is the, your term, when we look at the individual person, perpetrator in, in an event like this, we lose sight of all of the other potential things that are going on in that person's life. Uh, the outside connections or lack thereof, the, the impact a, uh, an adult male has in their life whether it's a father figure something like that or 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 that doesn't and i i struggle with this in that when we describe what we all think are the issues what causes all of this some people say it's video games some people say it's a a accessibility of guns uh they're all things that when you reverse the venn diagram they you can clearly say well there's 50 million people who play violent video games. We don't have 50 million mass shooters out there. We've got a dozen in the course of a year or two dozen. But when you look at the other side, mental health is another issue. And I know that this is part of what uh, you're going to talk about when it comes to the legislation uh, legislation that you're working on. You can't say that mentally ill people are violent. But those people who are violent and who are mentally ill are the ones that need to be addressed here those are the issues it's it's almost like we we're discounting so much of you know it's not the it's not the cause of video games or the accessibility of weaponry or the or any of these things but when you look at that individual person it's so often that they've got every one of those characteristics that we say in general you know doesn't cause it but they all have their, you know, sort of their hands in each one of these pots. Well, that's very well said with the way you described it. It and it, it is a uh, a misnomer to to you hear over and over people say, well, it's so hard to predict. And it is. It's virtually impossible to predict because if you look at them, uh, the people who engage in this type of behavior, um, they're so similar to so many other people. 
And as you said, we're not we're having whatever the number is, obviously too many. But everybody that looks and behaves that way uh, is not acting out this way. So if you try to go on to a prediction type model and say we need to predict it before it happens in order to prevent it, you're you've missed the boat because the, truly what what needs to be done is rather than trying to predict uh, an outcome, is to prevent the outcome. And uh, the, the legislation that you referred to is one that that um, we're pushing because it's it's a prevention model rather than a prediction model. Because so, in other words, if there's a hundred people who uh, are, are disconnected and going through all the different types of stuff, they're disconnected from uh, the, the Parkland shooter a year ago. Uh, his mother died. He had almost no connection with anybody else in terms of an adult figure, temporarily living with another family member, all sorts of things that uh, looking at it from a prediction standpoint with that one, and it's an extreme example, and maybe you could have predicted in that one. But on the other hand, looking at it as a prevention model, if you say, let's ensure that he is going to counseling, let's teach him basic interpersonal skills, like how to maintain a relationship uh, with someone else, all of these other types of things that can be done to prevent it. So if we have a hundred kids that are uh, um, similar to that, and we we provide services to all of that hundred. Um, will we ever know? Did we prevent something by happening from that? Maybe not, but we do know that that hundred that we provided those services to, that were uh, disconnected. In you know, they can be. And we talk about isolation, things like that. Those are people who can be in a crowded room every day and yet be extremely isolated. So, for instance, with the Dayton shooter, this was somebody who in high school had a kill list and was telling people all all the girls that he wanted to rape and and the people he wanted to kill. At that point, instead of suspending him or suspending him and in connection with that, highlighting his case, his situation, his person, and maybe throwing some resources at him so that you can kind of steer him out of that way of thinking. Yeah, 100%. One one of the worst things we di- we've done in education here in this country are uh, suspension and expulsion policies to where uh, they were they were called zero tolerance policies for certain type of behavior. And the reason why I say it's the worst thing because uh, uh, a lot of this we can call it different things, but in many respects it's malignant attention seeking. So they are seeking attention in bad and all of us who have kids know Kids sometimes seek attention in bad ways, and this is a very extreme, uh, a malignant way. But if they're seeking attention and acting out in school and doing th- various types of things, the worst thing you can do is further isolate them. Uh, again and again with these, these uh, uh, people who actually become a hunter and behave this way, is we see that they, they behaved in whatever type of inappropriate way, and over time they became more and more isolated because of their own behavior. Uh, and, and as you said, we instead of isolating them, provide services, uh, you know, yes, you have to take them out of the individual classroom, let's say in the school setting, because you can't have them disrupting the rest of the students. But that doesn't mean you expel them and or, or suspend them for long periods of time. They're throwing up a red flag saying, I'm going to be a problem. Yes. And why we're not capitalizing on that, I don't know. All right, we'll continue our conversation. Uh, El Dorado County District Attorney Vern Pearson has joined us. We'll talk more about some of the legislation that he's been working on in terms of 
keeping in mind what's going on with all of the mass shootings that we've been covering for the last several weeks. Hey, as we speak, a lot of excitement over at Dodger Stadium right now. Third base and infield coach is going over defensive positioning with Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux is the Dodgers' top prospect. He's been called up. He's going to play second base today, coming off just a stellar year so far. So that'll be fun to see. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I got no rules, I count them. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. More grim news surely to come out of Oxnard. Coast Guard says four bodies have been recovered near that dive boat that caught fire early this morning. Dozens of people on board. Searchers are continuing to look for 29 other people. Continuing to watch uh, Hurricane Dorian as well. It's now a Category 4, so it has been downgraded a little bit, but continues to just wreak havoc on the Bahamas. It's only traveling about one mile an hour uh, moving west towards Florida, but there's a there's actually very little likelihood now. They're saying that this thing is actually going to make groundfall, uh, landfall anywhere near the continental United States. It's just going to travel up the coastline and sort of mirror the coastline as it makes its way north. Vern Pearson is with us, El Dorado County District Attorney, and we are talking about the shootings we've been going through. And I've often wondered he reveals themselves to us as a problem, a potential shooter, whether it's an obsession with, with weapons or white supremacy or whatever the hell it is. Why isn't there somebody that we can call and maybe keep tabs on that person moving forward. Well, there should be, and there's there's uh, as we we touched on legislation. There's a both federal legislation referred to as the TAPS Act uh, that does threat assessment, mandates threat assessment assessment and management, uh, uh, and there and at the local level, uh, at the state level, there's similar type of legislation. The 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 bill at the local level uh, in the state of California is AB seventeen twenty two, which uh, requires that uh, every jurisdiction set up a program to collect and and uh, this type of information and and do it in a in a way that respects privacy. Uh, it uses uh, uh, existing models that are out there to say in, in uh, that other states have already incorporated when they've had mass shootings like this, like Virginia, North Carolina, uh, Florida. And uh, and actually had that information go to someone who's been properly trained in threat assessment, threat management, to make a recommendation. And oftentimes, what they make the recommendation is, is this person needs counseling. They're very lonely. They are whatever the, the circumstances might be, and they can make those types of recommend recommendations in an informed uh, manner. And uh, it, because of what we've seen, is exactly what you're alluding to. It's like in the Parkland case. Uh, tips to the FBI, tips to local law enforcement, tips to the school, and uh, all sorts of misunderstandings about uh, privacy laws. Uh, for instance, the the and I'm sure you've spoken about the the school resource officer in Parkland that he was under some mistaken impression that um, he wasn't allowed to talk about law enforcement information with the the school counselors who were saying, "Hey, we think we have a problem with this kid," and he wouldn't discuss it with them. Um, that's a real problem, and so that those. Uh, the, the, the legislation is drafted. The legislation is there to do something credible about this. Uh, instead, what we've seen, uh, and, er and it happens every time there's a mass shooting, what we see is it's as though these politicians are handed a uh, talking points that say, if you're on the left, it's sensible gun control. If you're on the right, it's crazy people. 
And, uh, and there's some truth on both perspectives, but they're not the, the panacea to this type of problem. The actual uh, uh, way of dealing with it is a complex solution that requires a, a, you know, a little bit of thought being put into it uh, using science and research uh, from threat assessment. And that's the way to deal with it. So specifically, this bill that you uh, drafted, AB 1722, would use school school officials, administrators, teachers, psychologists, and uh, working with the law enforcement community to Correct. identify these people. Correct. And and, and it, it is, and I talked about this before, it's a uh, holistic prevention model. And it sounds funny coming from a bunch of prosecutors, or, you know, DAs to say, how do we prevent things? And Perhaps it's because we've seen so much of what happens in the aftermath of it. Uh, we need to shift the focus to things that, are, that credibly prevent these types of things from occurring in the first place. Uh, and the way you prevent it is, you know, having more school counselors, having uh, uh, looking at using research and science that, to look at the behaviors that are consistent with people who are on a pathway to this type of violence. And there are a couple of indicators along the lines that would be, like we've been saying, they're just sort of glaring red flags. I know that's a politically charged term lately, but that, that would be some of those things that would rise to the level of being noticed by a teacher, counselor, coach, friend, family member, whatever it is that could start that process. What would, was, would there be a specific agency that was in charge of this in, or would just be local law enforcement? Well, it, I think... It, it, at the national level, uh, there's there's jurisdictions like uh, North Carolina. There, they have a a statewide law enforcement or arm that has they're responsible for it. But in a state the size of California, it needs to be at the local level. I know uh, we're here in L.A. County. L.A. County has a a a very good program for threat assessment and threat management. It's grossly underfunded. It's very small for a size of uh, for a county of this size. Uh, San Diego's the same type of way. There's there are models that are out there and they're effective. The problem they're too small, they're too underfunded, and uh, it's too easy for for our elected representatives to go off to the talking points and not focus on the things that require a little bit of hard work and thinking. So I'm assuming there'll be some pushback from the ACLU. What kind of chance do you think this has in Sacramento with the way that our legislature is made up? Well, there, the, uh, the ACLU, uh, in in working on the bill, they, they were uh, opposed to it from the standpoint they were concerned about profiling. And then when I sat down and met with them uh, and said, look at the behaviors that are specifically outlined in here, it has nothing to do with religion, has nothing to do with race or ethnicity, none of that is a reliable predictor. And, it's in, and obviously it's unconstitutional and appropriate. Right. It's behaviors that, as you said a moment ago, all of us looking at it rationally say these behaviors should be using that term red. They should be a red flag to someone, but all, all too often they're not because uh, the, the family dynamics, all sorts of different circumstances where uh, it's the information's not getting to the right person and we're not following a prevention model. And I keep harping and saying the prevention model because it, it, under that type of a model, prevention means law enforcement never has to take a law enforcement action. If, if there's a law enforcement action, that means prevention has failed. Um, be, in other words, you prevented it, uh, you failed to prevent it at a point in time prior to it becoming where, where there has to be an intervention that takes place by law enforcement. So we, we, 
you know, both of those, you know, looking at it uh, from a uh, extreme on the right, extreme on the left, it ignores that there is a solution to this that is complex uh, and takes work, but is is a is a credible way of dealing with it. And it involves human connections. You said something earlier off the air, and I think crystallized the point where this is so much more important now than it was even five, 10 years ago, because we are more connected than we ever have been, but it's resulted in us being less connected to humans than we've ever been, you know? 100%. We are in the most connected uh, uh, point in time in the history of of the world, and humans are more disconnected today than they ever have been before. And there's been all sorts of research on it in terms of the way we interact with each other. If, you, if you're walking down the street and you interact with someone, you behave one way. If you're in a car on, out on the highway here, you tend to be more aggressive with other people. He's, be- looking, he's looking at you. Buddy. Because of yeah, the barriers <laughs> that, that we have in between us. And then you, you put that out to uh, uh, social media. And kids are far more aggressive to each other on social media than they would be in person. Right. It's the same type of dynamic. And, and a lot of this, it, it, you, uh, the best way I can sum it up is the way I said before, is that it's malignant attention-seeking. It's, a, it's attention-seeking, wanting to be connected uh, to somebody else or somebody else and trying to find a way to do it. And this is the worst possible way of, of obviously of doing that. Vern Pearson is the uh, district attorney for El Dorado County. We'll come back and continue this conversation a little bit more. Gary and Shannon on this Monday, September 2nd, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. John and Ken out today, but Brian Suits is going to be in in a few minutes. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye as well out of Oxnard, waiting for an update from the Coast Guard, Santa Barbara County Sheriff, uh, Ventura County as well, on the uh, boat fire. At least four people, four bodies have been recovered, but they're saying as many as 34 people may have been killed. Vern Pearson is the El Dorado County DA, was kind enough to join us for our conversation about what to do, at least locally here in California, when it comes to keeping tabs on people, identifying people who could be a threat moving forward in their lives. And he was telling us about a bill that he drafted, AB 1722, that would kind of triage the situation and it would rely on on people in, in, in the schools, the superintendents, the administrators, the teachers, the counselors, working with local law enforcement to, to kind of find out who these people are before they are allowed to carry out what you described as, uh, what, it, what was your term? Malignant attention-seeking. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, let's talk about AB 1121 as well, uh, because I think this is an important aspect of it. And I know it's one that you've been paying attention to that it also happens to be stuck in the gum. This that is how is screwed Sacramento. up Sacramento is in a nutshell. Well, it, it is. And uh, uh, both bills would have a meaningful impact on uh, California. And, and they're good to talk about it. See, as you put it, how screwed up the legislature can be. Um, 1121 is a fix to a budget trailer bill that was passed uh, at the budget a year ago. And uh, in that bill, uh, essentially what happened was there was a change in California law that said if you commit a crime and you can prove that you're mentally ill and the mental illness, a diagnosable mental illness, caused you to commit that crime, under certain restrictions you can receive what's called diversion. And if you're diverted, then you have to go to counseling and all this other types of whatever the treatment type uh, program is. But then your case would be dismissed. 
there's an inherent flaw in that bill and the way it uh, came to pass that says that 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 uh, someone who is diverted that way who would ordinarily be prohibited from possessing a firearm because of the crime that they committed, uh, they're not prohibited. So, so right now there's people who are being diverted because uh, they committed a crime because of a mental illness, and yet they're permitted to uh, own and possess firearms. P.S. I think I heard John and Ken talking about this. That like if you have a gender identity issue going on, that is grounds for you to be diverted. So like if if I go commit a crime and then I say, well, but I'm questioning my gender identity, identity. I don't know how I identify. I could be diverted to a program instead of actually doing the time for the crime that I committed and I can get a weapon. That's what we're dealing with in California right now. Right. Well, and we're here in L.A. that the, the Harvey Weinstein um, you know, the thing of, uh, I, I have a sex addiction, right? That right. is the same type of thing. You could have a psychiatrist to come in and say, uh, he's, you know, so it's because of this, this problem that he has, um, he should be diverted now. And, and I do believe there's no question in dealing with the mentally ill, uh, uh, we do need to divert some people. And that I, I, it's something that, that I wholeheartedly support. The problem is if someone has committed a crime and they can prove it was due to a mental illness, that person should still be prohibited from possessing a firearm. Absolutely. Um, that's a that's a no brainer. That's I mean, there's just common sense, especially in the context of what we've been saying, these gun violence restraining orders, these red flag laws that that have been out there. That, that seems to be one of those uh, one of those holes that can easily be plugged by a bill, which in this case is AB 1121. But like you said stuck in committee somewhere it's stuck in a committee and it's 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 worse than that because it's it's a bill that's stuck in a committee without a vote it's not because someone is opposed to it and has a problem with it is a drafting error or whatever the issue would be it's just sitting in assembly appropriations without a vote uh just same as 1722 and and that's a problem and my hope is you know we have a new governor um the governor he convened a meeting last week uh, with a lot of different stakeholders, um, he says, it, this is ridiculous. We need to actually be looking at solutions. And my hope is that he's going to look at things like this bill, both of these bills, and say you know, to his friends in the legislature, hey, come on, let's do something with this. Well, Vern, thank you yeah. so much for your time. Really appreciated you coming in today. Got a lot of great ideas, and I hope that they all get put into uh into motion up there. Yeah, keep us updated on these bills as well. And uh, and if there's anything that people can do, you know, in terms of contacting their, their legislators, whatever it is, uh, we'll see what we can do for you. Well, thank you very much. I sure appreciate it. Vern Brian. Pearson. That's Vern Pearson. <laughs> He's the, uh, the district attorney from El Dorado County. Brian That's Suits Brian. is here. Good game, Good game Vern. <laughs> there he goes. What's on the docket? Uh, the latest out of the overnight tragedy off Santa Cruz Island. In answer to your query, approximately 1230, yes, you can go on Santa Cruz Island uh, for, like, overnight hiking oh, yeah. and things. Yeah, it's not, not I, barred, you know, from going on there. That's where I did my sea kayaking a year ago. Right. Uh, and there were some the people that were on the boat with us. A lot of them were there to, to carry on their equipment and go camping. I just didn't know how uh, well populated the island is uh, and, this time of year. Is, is it a popular camping destination? or? And then, uh, so, so if you look on Flight Radar 24, nobody is carrying out an airborne search for survivors. And that's been uh, since about 9 a.m. So they're... They knew. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the dive teams are being called in to recover, you know, underwater remains and things like this. We'll have the latest on that. But it's worldwide headlines. It's 
uh, you know, it's top of Drudge. Yeah. Uh, BBC, we'll, we'll give you the latest there. And then a, a slew of homicides, an unusual slew of homicides in L.A. over the weekend. Hmm. All we'll right. get to all of it. Brian Suits in for uh, John and Ken today. And I'll we'll get really angry about stuff. Yes. I love that part. Yes. It's, uh, well, Heads I, on a stick. I'm filling in for John and Ken. Bring if out you, the dumpster. If you would do us a tiny favor, though, and don't do a creepy sexual puppet voice. Yeah, oh, that was going to be the centerpiece. No, Good that's, Lord. that's My Prince Andrew uh, sock puppet. Haunting. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bit. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. That, that was a good show. I really like them. Gary and Shannon. Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.